Um, good morning. I've really missed you guys the past couple of weekends. Um, I was with some friends in Sharp Top Cove in Georgia at Young Life Camp. Um, it was awesome. It's probably why I'm really sick. Um, so before we, before we get into um, the sermon this morning, would you guys pray for me while I pray for us? Uh, mainly that there's like some ninjas in my sinus cavities that are really doing work. <sighs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, we come before you this morning eager to hear from you. Lord, we're thankful that you've given us eyes to see and ears to hear. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate, reveal your words to us. Jesus, would you, um, would you move me out of the way? Would you speak to us, your people, through your word this morning? And we just confess that we need you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, I don't know if you have followed much of the End Times Hoopla. Maybe you've got all the Left Behind series um, at your house. Um, I don't know if you know this either. Left Behind turned into a movie. Um, and there's an, a Left Behind 1.1. The first one was with Kirk Cameron, who was the star. He's a pretty good actor. Uh, the second version, which, by the way, is the exact same script, is Nicky Cage. So if you haven't seen that one, uh, it's probably going to get an Emmy or Oscar or something. You guys should. He's a great actor, really great actor. <coughs> so this week, um, I went on the Googles, and I searched in times. And we're going to look at a few images of what we found. So this one's, I like the, uh, the symmetry of it. We've got a flow chart. We've got some really inviting flames in the back. Uh, this one's pretty awesome because apparently my favorite movie is The End Times, uh, which is going to happen in two years if you're taking notes. Um, pretty cool. This one, I, yikes. Uh, toenails coming out of lion's heads. I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. This one I really like. You've got a bald eagle. You've got two guys blowing on shofars. You've got a dollar bill. Um, I don't know. It looks pretty awesome. And then this one, I think, is my absolute favorite. Um, they actually sell this in a T-shirt version at Walmart. It's right next to the wolves that howl at the moon, where the moon is actually a NASCAR vehicle that actually has um, flaming dice coming out of the tailpipe. It's right there. It's right there. <coughs> if you haven't been to Walmart, and seeing that aisle, it's incredible. I mean, honestly, you might think you've been left behind, actually, if you go <laughs> to that aisle. So it's kind of comical, right, like how we get so frenzied about the end of the world, the eschaton, the time when Jesus will come back a second time. But it's also a bit sad because here I am making fun of it. Um, Frankly, to kind of pull the curtain back, I'm not sure that I live each day as if I believe he is coming back. 
So there's a lot of anxiety about this issue. There's, there's a lot of misinformation per the slides. But it's a really, really important issue. And, and, and it kind of surrounds these questions. What is going to happen? Are there going to be, you know, toenail lions coming? Is there going to really be a dragon? Um, why is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? Um, let me just confess this morning, only the Father knows that. Only the Father knows the what's, the how's, the when's. And so this morning for us, I'd like for us to look at the why's. Why is Jesus coming back a second time? Maybe you didn't know that he was. He's going to come back a second time. Why is he going to act as a judge of all of humanity when he does that? And then lastly, why is it important for me? So we're at that point in the Apostles' Creed where we've talked about in the last four or five weeks who Jesus was in the past. Um, last week, we got to the present. He has ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of his father. And now we're going to start talking about this end time, this eschaton, or as R.E.M. says, the end of the world as we know it. There's going to come a day when the world as we know it categorically will not be. So we're in that place in the creed. Uh, the son of God who once came in great humility, this is what we celebrate during Christmas who condescended himself, who, who literally stepped out of heaven into a manger. When he comes around again, it's not going to be like that. He's going to come in his full glory, his full honor, his majesty, and his kingly rule. So real quick, um, I know it's impossible to get on the subject and not talk about a little bit of the what. So what's going to happen? Um, he's going to come riding on the clouds, Revelation 1-7. There's going to be a trumpet band that's going to announce it. Um, it seems that he's going to have a sword and a tattoo when he comes back. And he's going to have a squad of angels. Um, this, this would be squad goals right here. If you get to be that angel squad that comes back with Jesus, that's going to be pretty sweet. Okay? So he's coming back, we know for sure. He's coming back on the clouds with angels, with an angel squad, may or may not have a tattoo. And he's going to come to judge everyone. So what does that mean? Um, we've talked about previously here that he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Um, the way we talked about it last week at Young Life Camp was you're either in or you're out with Jesus. So you're either in with Jesus or you're separate from him. You're out. Um, here's, here's what you won't be judged on. You won't be judged on your ancestry. You won't be judged on how long um, your family has lived in Texas, although I think that's a pretty good deal. Uh, you won't be judged on where you chose to go to college, how smart you are, how much money you have, how successful you are. You won't even be judged on your behavior. You're going to be judged on one thing. Have you responded to the gospel? Have you taken Jesus Christ at his own words? Remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago. 
John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Are you in or are you out? He's also going to come and make all things right. So it's a good thing that the end of the world as we know it is going to come. Um, if you've turned on the TV or pulled up CNN.com this week, you know things aren't right. Technology isn't fixing us as a people. Um, there's terrorism and barbarism and pain and self-centeredness. Like, it's, it's not looking good. So Jesus, being the just judge, he's going to fix all that. He's going to make all things right. And most people get hung up on the, um, the winds. And um, I, I know that's probably what we want to research the most. Um, I, I kind of, when I started the Left Behind series, there was all this talk about Black Hawk helicopters being the locust from Joel's prophecy, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I started really paying attention to the nation of Israel. Here's the deal. Only the Father knows the when. Only the Father knows when. Jesus says, I don't even know. Jesus says, he doesn't know. He says, the angels don't know. So it's interesting that we're trying to figure out the when when he's told us the day and the hour, you will not know. Like if you figure it out, if you do some mind prophecy charts or the number system or whatever's out there, and you figure out the date, that's not it. It's just not it, okay? It's not it. You remember Y2K? Uh, some people in here were born after Y2K, which is really strange. But we, like, I mean, we bought all the Duracell batteries you could get. Uh, we had, you know, water. Uh, I was afraid maybe something was going to happen through my Nintendo system. <laughs> like, I unplugged everything, and nothing. Nothing happened. You guys remember December 21, 2012? No, you don't. But it was a big deal in December of 2012. It was the Mayan chart thing. Now you remember it? That wasn't it. Wasn't it. Um, I had a, a great professor in seminary. In fact, I took him for uh, his class for eschatology, which is the study of the end times. That's actually a class um, at Dallas Theological Seminary, which, by the way, we're probably the reason for all those crazy charts. Um, there was a guy back in the 60s that got real into all this and kind of made a name for himself and not so sure it's a great one. But, like, we're the crew that came up with all this stuff. And this professor in seminary, on this subject, he says, you know, I'm not sure that uh, it, it's as helpful for us to make charts, given that we don't know when he's going to come back. But I'm pretty sure it's a good idea for us to make disciples. Right? So, so let us be a people followers of Christ that make disciples, not end times charts. Let's make disciples, not charts. So why does the creed include it? 
Well, mainly because it's in the New Testament. Um, it's going to happen. But there's this, there's this piece about us where it's really important for us to remember that Jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead. Why? Well, he said he would. It's very important. When Jesus says something, it happens. Um, he wants to set all things right. And the thing that hit me this week was that Jesus is going to come back because he's been preparing a place for us. Right now, he is preparing a home for us. He's, he's up in heaven going all Ed Sheeran. Darling, I will be loving you till we're 70 million trillion. Yeah, that's, it's not 70 years old because it's not eternity, but you get, you get the point. Like Jesus is so in love with us. Jesus is so in love with us. He calls us his bride. And I don't think about that very often. I don't think about that very often. Um, I get to officiate four or five weddings a year. Um, and I get to sit, stand right here, and the groom is here. Um, I don't know if most people turn around and watch the bride. I just go directly left, and I watch the groom, because when he processes down and all of his crew, his squad, standing next to him, um, I've already coached him to not uh, lock his legs because he'll pass out, right? And I've coached him how to do left over right. So here he is, knees bent, left over right. He's got his squad with him, and he can't see his bride. But there's this anticipation. You can see it like his eyes are glinting. He's so excited. And then there's that moment when she comes into his view, and it's just pure joy. Next, next wedding you guys, go, you guys go to, watch the, watch the groom. It's this really beautiful, beautiful thing that happens. So I think it's important for us um, because we have a God in heaven who is madly in love with us. Even now, he's preparing a place for us. So real quick, we're going to go back into Matthew 25. It's our gospel reading this morning. It is page 830 in your blue Bibles. We're going to read just a little bit of it. And I'm going to read the ESV, which is our blue Bible version. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, they heard a cry. Here comes the groom. Here comes the groom. Um, if, if you read along in the ESV earlier, you were probably a little confused when it said there's ten virgins. Um, it, it, it basically means ten eligible bachelorettes, ten bridesmaids, okay? And so the custom back then was when you had a home, 
Um, the father basically built a compound. So we're going to pretend this is our compound. This is the gate to said compound. And it's called an insula. And right here where all you beautiful people are, this is the courtyard. This is the inner courtyard. Mom and dad's quarters, kid one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, however many kids. There's the kitchen. There is game room for dreidel toss or something. Okay. So there was these rooms built around the central courtyard. And when a young man was crushing on a girl, he would figure out where her father lived. And so he would do this number. He'd come up to it. He'd be all shaky. He's got his tie on. Knock, knock, knock. Father opens the door, comes into the courtyard. He starts talking to said father of Hottie McHotterton. Okay. And they start having a conversation. And he mumbles through his words. He's all nervous. And basically he says, sir, I'm in love with your daughter. I would like to marry her. Then he takes his backpack off, pours a glass of wine, gives it to dad. Dad then has a choice to pass that along to his daughter. If his daughter takes a sip of the wine, the two are now betrothed. They are engaged to be married. This is the, uh, the final rose ceremony, if you watch that show on ABC. Okay? They're not married yet, but she got the final rose, so it's like a big deal. Like, it's pretty much going to happen, okay? So now, eligible bachelor who's no longer eligible, he leaves, goes to his dad's insula where he currently lives, and he starts a construction project. He starts building on another room. He starts building a house for him and his bride that's going to happen. So, Back then, the, uh, remember we, we read that the groom could be delayed? Well, sometimes that was because young buck fell in love at the wrong time because it was harvest time. So dad was like, sorry, dude, you can't go. Like, you got to get all this weed out first. Um, other times it was because said father-in-law um, is from College Station, Israel, and he treats women with very much respect. And he's a perfectionist, and he says, son, that's not going to work. No daughter-in-law of mine is going to live in that. And he pulls a Chip and Joanna Gaines, and he's like, you better get to shiplapping. Like, shiplap that thing. Like, she's not going to live in that. That's textured walls. Put some shiplap up, right? So now this groom, he starts constructing his future home with his future bride. Um, and you can just imagine how excited he is. Because once he finishes the project, then he just keeps looking at dad. He's like, is this good enough, dad? Is this good enough? At some point, the dad will say, yes, son, go get your bride. Dad, I, I, I put all the good windows in. Sweet. Dad, I checked the roof. It doesn't have any leaks. Dad, I got that blue ECAT rug from a pottery manger. Thank you. Didn't go so well at nine. Pottery barn, manger. You get the point, right? This groom is so eager to get his bride. He's in love with her. He's head over heels in love 
this woman. Jesus said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. So if Jesus is now preparing a place for us, then it would seem from our parable that we should be in preparation for his return. We're to be like those wise bridesmaids who kept oil in their lamps, not knowing the day or the hour that he'll come back. So how do we prepare for the return of Christ? How do we do it? Number one, we've got to figure out if we're in or we're out. That's what we talked about a lot last week at camp was, are you in or are you out? And some of the questions that um, the leaders heard throughout the week, it was um, students from five or six different states, and we'd have leader meetings every morning. Some of the Some of the questions that were brought up were these. So if I look at adult entertainment on my screen, that's not how it was worded. Does that mean I'm going to hell? Um, What about me taking drugs? Is Jesus cool with that? I mean, it's from the earth. Like, he made the earth, so is he cool with that? Um... But I really love him, so premarital sex can't be that wrong, right? I mean, Jesus understands. What these students were asking was, how do I know for sure if I'm in? How do I know for sure if I'm in with Jesus? Well, the first step is for us to take him at his own words. He says in John 14, 6, I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we say, Jesus, currently I'm not in. I want to take you up on your offer. And if you're not in this morning, if there's something tugging in your spirit, please come talk to me or Brian or Matt or one of the prayer teams after this. We'd love to talk to you about that. So the best way that we can prepare for Jesus' return is, one, to be betrothed to him, to get the rose, to have that all squared away. And we're going to start talking about this next week. We, we get to the point in the creed where we address the person of the Holy Spirit. And in our parable, the oil is a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. See, those lamps were really, really tiny. Do you have a neti pot at home? Um, I've been using mine like crazy. It's about the same size as a neti pot. doesn't hold much oil. So for these bridesmaids to be prepared, they had to continually fill that thing. We'll start looking at that next week of how the Holy Spirit can continually fill us to be more and more like the person of Jesus. As we go to the communion table this morning, I would just say, ask yourself that question. Am I in? Am I all in with Jesus? Do I believe him to be who he said he was? And if you are, 
then it's time for us to lean more and more into the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives, to be continually filled up because we're broken, we're leaky vessels at best. So as we come to the table, um, I'd love for us to really think about a couple of things. Number one, um, Jesus is singing about you. Um, He is so in love with you. There's nothing that you could do to make him not love you. Jesus also stepped out of heaven and into a manger to be with you. He suffered. He died after he was crucified. He was buried. He rose again, and he has ascended and now sits at the right hand of his father for you. Jesus loves you. He loves me. He also is preparing a place for us. But it doesn't escape me that he's also prepared a table for us. What a beautiful picture of his love for us. That he would spill his blood and let his body be broken for us. This morning, think about the lengths to which Jesus went to love you, to rescue you, to save you, and get ready for a party. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you because you first loved us. Lord, I pray um, as we consider the bread and the wine, your body, your blood, Lord, you would remind us the links to which you went prove your love for us. And Lord, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for all that you've done on our behalf. Thank you for making a way. Thank you for reconciling us to the Father. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. Amen.